Welcome to the Mike on Watch podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman. We are here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also got our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and Erica is working the dials. Guys, we're back on a, on a Zoom type call. We gotta get back together in that backyard, socially distanced, of course, if we can, because I feel like the vibe is always a lot better uh, when you can sort of look at each other and actually uh, feel each other's presence. But alas, we are here. How's everybody doing? How's everybody feeling? Well, you know, the Raptor season came to an end, and we're going to talk about that as the first subject, is right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. If we want if we want to go over things that hurt me personally, mm. but yeah, no, we can talk about it. <laughs> it's more, yeah, it'll be more of a therapy session, but uh, otherwise, pretty good. It was Lauren's birthday uh, this week. Hey. We did a whole birthday week, so uh, this week I'm ready to not eat candy. I'm tr- I want to see how long I can go without doing processed sugar. Do you guys have any, like, like obviously there's like sugar in milk or there's like sugar in like lots of things that you eat normally, but like, can I stay away from the treats? What, what do you guys think? Do you think like, give me like, give, give an estimate, two days, one day, half a day. You've talked about this before, a couple of weeks ago, you talked about this. You didn't do it, so... <laughs> Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, you watched that documentary and you said you weren't never going to eat sugar again. Remember? Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, do you well. usually have treats every single day? Every single day. Every okay. single day. <laughs> I- I'll give you three, four days probably. Oh, my God. Like, so we're talking chocolate and gummy bears Does uh, or gummies. Um, does pastries count? They're a treat, right? Yeah. Probably. It's a lot of sugar. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna give. I'm, I'm gonna think. I could get to Tuesday night. It's Sunday night right now, and then by Tuesday night, I'm gonna really crash. And that's as far as I'm gonna get. Yeah, the first two days are the hardest. So I think if mm-hmm. you get past that, you're 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 more likely to go for a longer period of time. Mm. What, what? What? Any tricks? Uh, other foods to eat that you think would satiate me? Drinking lots of water. I would even stay away from fruit. Because mm-hmm. those sh- the sugars in fruit can activate the like sugar monster within that makes you crave it even more. <laughs> I was reading a book on it. They use these terms, so wish I could get credit for the laugh. But yeah, that's the a- sugar monster within. I think that's yeah. the episode of this title. Of this <laughs> yeah, no <pod>. doubt. <laughs> yeah, it was like Chelsea. I read it like ten years ago. It was like Chelsea Handler's trainer wrote a book, and I learned a lot about this shit. Hey, the other thing that I'm doing though is. Um, in honor of our dearly departed friend, Barbara, um, we, I'm going to run the 10 K Terry Fox, uh, fu- uh, run for cancer. Um, right. Do you, you guys are familiar, right? Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah. The, and I usually, I can do like 5 K and then I just get so t- bored more than anything. And I usually stop, but then I tried to run 10 K cause Lauren was like, just run 10 K stop talking about it. And I did. So I can do 10 K. I didn't know that. How long does 10K take? Two hours? No, no. It takes about 50 minutes. 50 to 60 minutes, depending on how fast you run. Oh, that's easy. 55, yeah. How'd you feel after? Did you go for a snack? (laughs) Probably. I was like, I can treat myself now. (laughs) (laughs) I've earned this bag of gummy bears. Yeah. (laughs) Any goodness that I I got from the run was immediately disappeared. Yeah. Shaney, what's popping with you? You cutting out sugars? What's going on? Are you at a cottage? No. You said you said you were up north when we were, you were looking for, uh, we wanted to watch the basketball game. Yeah, I was doing a shoot with uh, Anthony's wife, actually. She oh. was doing a, a Scarlet, amazing photographer, came up to kind of the Lamparski Lake House, and we had a, a, sh- a photo shoot. What was it for? <laughs> I 
don't know. I should have asked. <laughs> um, I guess being a family and uh, just like I was only in a few shots and uh, like I think I was like the out of focus guy getting like coffee and then Alex was all like done up looking beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was fun. And uh, but we came right back. It was a quick trip like to, to bring two kids to a lake house. Uh, we were only there for less than 48 hours. So it was like, and you know, a lot of that's driving too, because it's about four hours away with with kid, maybe five hours away for the, all the stops. What's you the plan do. for the rollout of these photos? When are we going <laughs> to see them? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, it might be in a magazine. It might be, or it might just be for because she did another thing. Something's for a magazine, but I don't know if that's this stuff. Is Shadow Alex? I just kind of show up, like Alex tells me what to do. Hmm. But I was very stressed she- out because we don't have cable up there, uh, or. Uh, it was a day before it was supposed to get cable and the guy couldn't guarantee that the Raptors game would be working. The cable guy actually showed up and he said it was going to start working two hours after the game. So that was stressful. And uh, I had to download it on the Bell 5 app and, you know, and you guys were all acting like, oh, it's just game seven. We're glad to be there. And everyone acted like happy that they're just <laughs> in game seven. But I was super depressed. Like that was like terrible for me watching that whole game. Like I was like, okay, let's super, get into that. Let, let's just let's just cut the bullshit. There's a lot of dancing around what we really need to talk about right yeah, now, which yeah, is the I Raptors. Know. Erica, we'll get to you later. Mike, <laughs> let's start with you. Um, okay, set this su- subject number one up. Set it up. Let, we we need to talk about it. All right. So you know, anyone that listens to this podcast knows that we are all uh, massive, massive Toronto Raptors fans. We love the NBA, love basketball. Uh, our beloved team was uh, was in the second round of the playoffs against the Boston Celtics, uh, and. The game seven, uh, you know, the chance to move on to the conference finals just happened. And in a lot of ways, what Shane referred to, like being happy to be there is like we got killed in two of these seven games. Uh, We also had this improbable 0.5 buzzer beater, which we've all talked about on this podcast. Uh, And then we had a double overtime to even get it to a game seven. So just getting there was like a massive roller coaster. Uh, And then obviously the game seven happened and the Raptors not only had their chances, but like in the last minute, Norm had a, you know, a breakaway chance to tie the game. Uh, And, you know, it could go, it can go any way. We were very, very, very close. Pascal Siakam, who was like, you know, our maxed out, you know, star player who was an all-star this year, hit a very, very, very difficult series. And I know a lot of fans were sort of down on him because he was so visibly bad uh, offensively at times in game seven, just coughing the ball up um, or missing, you know, easy shots. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the Raptors lost is the long and the short of it. Their season is done. Uh, it was a historically long title defense, uh, obviously due to COVID. Uh, the NBA season's never, ever gone this long into a calendar year. Uh, and it's been so long since we've seen the Raptors lose a playoff series that uh, it's kind of weird to be here. So yeah. How's everybody? You guys want to know? Like, I mean, I guess the thing is, I, I, I woke up very bummed out, very, you know, sad about it because the journey's over, but I was happy that it even happened and this crazy bubble experience worked uh, and we got to see the completion of the Raptors uh, series. Yeah, I guess I've just been trying to temper all of those things, but, you know, I can't really read about basketball. I didn't watch any, like, I didn't watch any like Lakers-Houston game. I just like, you know, I want to, I need to step away from basketball for a good 48 72 hours after the Raptors go out and then I can sort of get back into it again. But I would say that I am pretty like, level about the whole thing and i just got like super drunk the night that they lost i was like i'm just gonna drown these sorrows uh the old-fashioned way so the, you know the next day was just like hungover plus a little sad and i just i kind of got through the day and i'm back now okay so it seemed like it actually hit you harder than you were acting like it would in the group because you you wrote kind of like a long message saying like you know win or lose 
you're, you're going to be okay with it because, you know, we made it this far and it was a hell of a series and so entertaining to watch. Do you feel like you were fronting a little bit more than uh, it actually felt like when, when the loss happened, do you feel like you were more hurt than you thought you'd be? Uh, no, I, I think that was accurate only because I, when they got killed in game five, I, I, that, that one hurt the most, like, like when it was tied to two and then we played game five and we lost by like 30 points or something crazy. That was the game that I was like, I believed, you know, like I was like, we, mm-hmm. this is awesome. And then when we got so definitively beat, I, I think that like any of that, like that magic or willpower that I sort of like childish hope it, that got crushed in game five. So then game six, the double overtime was kind of like. Hey, these guys, you know, a little bit more magic's left. So by the time we got to game seven, I really did feel that way. And then when it was over, it's going to always hurt. Didn't hurt nearly as much as like, say, when we got swept by LeBron, uh, those two years in a row, like those things hurt me way more than this. And I think that's just a function of having a championship. The fact that it felt like we shouldn't have have been in a game seven, that it was all like, if we, if we had won that series, I would have been like, start the car because we stole one. Like, you know what I mean? And so because I had that feeling the whole time, um, it didn't hurt as much, but you're saying that you you were you were pissed. Well, yeah, because that one game we we were going to win, and then Marcus Smart out of nowhere just hit all those threes in a row. Which he's a great player and he's a real fighter, but it still felt like that was kind of anomalous or lucky. And then you know the other one where we won with point five, although some might say that was lucky, that was a, a planned play that very skilled players pulled off. And it, it just felt like, okay, yeah, we, we got it back. We won the game that we uh, didn't win the other night when Marcus Smart kind of got lucky. I guess we got a little bit lucky. And I just wanted to prove every because everyone thought we were going to lose in the second round, like all the all the pundits. So it we did what the pundits wanted to do. And to me, like if we didn't win the championship last year, this would have felt better actually to lose in the second round. <laughs> that's a crazy way to look at it that though. is very interesting, interesting. that's insane well, no, you, but because I, everyone you, says you of course that, want to have the, the experience of winning a championship i i didn't you know, say i didn't team, i didn't say i didn't want that win back to back very often i didn't so say ahead. i didn't want to win uh the championship i said it hurts more now to lose in the second round mm, oh sure because we've had a taste of it do you mean well and then people say it's quiet people kind of put down the team like i uh, underestimated how good the team was we were kind of winning mm-hmm. people over a little bit and then just for Pascal, of all people, like he's the most improved player. He seemed to kind of have ice in his veins at, at some times and like to uh, supersede people's expectations of him. He just shit the bed and all the turnovers. Like even if he was offensively terrible and missing shots, it it would be better than him. Just he got five turnovers that game, like crucial turnovers that resulted mm-hmm. in points for the other team. So if he wasn't on the floor, I really feel like we would have won that game. Yeah. Like we was- had that game won. Yeah, I know. It was a really close series. Obviously, it came down to like the last minute in game seven. So it, it really could have gone either way. Um, and so to all the critics that were like, oh, this Raptor team isn't deep. Like there's a very good chance that we match up better against Miami and beat Miami in the next series and go to the finals again. Like that, that reality is, uh, you know, a few missed Pascal shots <laughs> going the other way and, and we're in a, a whole new series. Um, of course, like I was, bummed out as everyone was after after the game but i was think i just tried to keep thinking back to game three when i thought it was over before um og hit the shot because it was before going to that last play i was like well that's the end of the season you know we're gonna be down three nothing and that's that and we have nothing to look forward to so the two days going into um 
game seven, I was just like, I'm just so happy we have another two days of something to look forward to. And now that it's over, it sucks. But I was just like, for every, the lead up to every game is what I love so, so much because it's a world of possibilities. Anything could happen. And I was just grateful that we had, what, four more games of that. Game four, five, six, and seven. Yeah. After that, after that game three, just to kind of, because there's been nothing else to look forward to in, uh, in 2020. And now, to be honest, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do between now and whenever the basketball season starts again. Cause there's like <laughs> no movies coming out. Like I don't really care that much about NFL. I guess the Blue Jays are on a playoff push, but I don't give a shit. Like, and I'm, I'm excited to watch the rest of the playoffs, like game seven with Denver and the Clippers will be good. I really want the Clippers to lose. Cause me too. To oh, baby. Shane, like if, if Kawhi just steamrolls his way to the finals again, and if he, be- if they win game seven and then he beats LeBron and then then he goes to the finals just like yeah it, it just stings a little bit more hey i have a question though for you guys how did you feel going into game seven because i'm always curious about how much people like trust their gut when it comes to like predicting what's going to happen because everybody always says i had a feeling this was going to happen and to be honest i had a feeling i had a good feeling going to game seven i was like mm-hmm. kind of loose i was i was like optimistic i, I felt like the champs are going to prevail and it didn't work like did you guys think they were going to win or lose I uh, my I, I thought there was going to be two outcomes. I, I did not think the Raptors <laughs> were going to be like easy. I didn't. Th- I thought there was no way that I was going to be like, we were up 10 with a minute left. Amazing. We're going to the next round. I thought it was going to be what it ended up being, meaning like literally a coin toss in the last minute and like gritty plays. Uh, or I thought we were going to get spanked just because it had happened two times in the series. So for me, I was, I was happy. Listen, I would have loved to have, you know, been up 10 and felt very comfortable. I just did not think that was going to happen at all. So what happened is what I anticipated happening. That was my feeling, but it wasn't excited nervousness. Cause I'm like, if it's close, like we just saw them go to a, like a double overtime where the Raptors actually made the plays, you know, they made that OG play, uh, in game, uh, game three. So I was like, if we get into that last minute and it comes down to those plays, it seems that our grizzled old vets who've won a championship tend to do a little bit better in the margins than those Celtics guys like uh, Tatum or, or Brown in that little crunch time moment. So what happened is what I expected. And I was optimistic going to the game. I was like, yeah, I think if we get there, we can win. But I was, I thought the alternative was us getting blown out. So. So I was just happy that wasn't happening, to be honest. Shaney boy? Yeah, I, I kind of thought they were going to win because I felt like, oh, it'd be so magical if they won, which is why they will win. It seems a little more improbable for them to win. And that seems kind of like the more fun thing to happen for them to win. So it seemed like that's kind of like how the series was going. The more fun thing was working out. So it just sucked yeah. that the obvious thing for them to lose happened. Yeah, I also really like, because Kyle was like, he had such a legacy series, you know, like people have mentioned the statue before, but it really got to a fever pitch in this series because of how remarkable Kyle Lowry was. I I was just like, when he hit a three to open the Raptors scoring, I was like, oh God, yeah, we're having like game six of the finals, Kyle, and I'm all, I'm here for it, man. And then he really didn't touch the ball much more and he was trying to get other guys going and, you know, we, we all saw how the game all unfolded, but I was like, we're getting a Kyle Lowry 30 point, 10 assist game. Oh yeah, baby. You know, that's that's what I, I sort of in my heart of hearts wanted to 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 close that, like you said, that narrative, like like this improbable thing, and you wanted the the book to end the way that you know the, yeah. the fairy tale would. But do you think this alas, is the end of not. an era here, like the Raptors as we know them? 
I don't know, man. Uh, a lot of weird stuff has to get figured out. Like we, like in a normal year, it'd be like, well, you got to figure it out if you're going to max spread out. But people don't even know what a max contract is right now because they might have to renegotiate all of the money with with the way the pandemic has changed the economics. Uh, I think it's probably more likely that they do like they figure out something with Fred, like a number, so they resign Fred. And then I think that Surge signs like some crazy expensive one-year deal so that our cap is still good in the next offseason. And then basically we have the same team except for Marcus Gasol and yeah. Kyle's a year older. I feel like yeah. Freddie's key to me. If Fred can stay, it's still going to feel like the Raptors. But if yeah. he's gone, it's going to feel like a total rebuild. Yeah, I think I'm disappointed because I'm so proud of them. If, if they were just a mm. shit team, I wouldn't care if they lost. It's because I, I believed in them so much that I'm so down about it. And in a way, I do feel like they gave... That last game away. If Pascal just didn't have so many turnovers. And yeah, I feel terrible for him. I don't like, I think I put in our Champagne Boys group, Pascal sucks in the one of the <laughs> basketball things. But, you know, I was, it was, I had a couple of drinks and I was angry. And I, like, I really do like him as a player and I, I feel terrible for him. And I know, I know that feeling of having a bad game when people expect you to have a good feeling too. So that mm. kind of amplified my disappointment too. Yeah. Just because Pascal Absolutely. seemed like a guy who wouldn't do that so many games in a row. Like I've seen him had bad games, but a whole series seemed improbable. Yeah, I mean, it's it's he's had like a a mediocre or unremarkable bubble since the start. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, but when we're playing lesser teams, it, it can get buried a lot more. Hell, we almost overcame it in a game against the Celtics, who are a really great team. Uh, and and you know the layoff. I think affected him, you know, whether it was the fact that he, you know, guys weren't able to get in the gym, whatever his routine is that makes Pascal Siakam, Pascal Siakam, he clearly wasn't able to do that for like two or three months. And I, I guess think you don't just, notice it in the Brooklyn sweep though, when you're winning four games in a row in a series, like I wasn't even thinking of Pascal. Absolutely not. Right. It's just like, you can overcome it. And that, and as those games earlier in the bubble too, it just was like, eh, you know, we, we were good enough. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like, you know, I think that the obituary on this season's team, the sort of the titled defense team uh, will be so good, so well remembered. It, I've said it on on my Instagram and stuff like this was the most fun and uh, endearing and lovable team that I've ever rooted for, uh, uh, you know, in all my years of watching the Raptors, mostly just because, you know, a lot of American pundits wrote them off, thought they would be an eight or six, eight seed, maybe not even make the playoffs. And they exceeded expectations so wildly, showed so much guts. And yeah, just were, were really, they were really like a special, special uh, a team. Last thing uh, on this is obviously we're all in the camp of Nick Nurse. You know, he's a friend of ours. And I just love hearing guys like Bill Simmons and Rosillo and just other NBA pundits and experts just go, oh, yeah, Nick's the best coach in the league. It's just like sort of assume that the, he what he's doing right now is the most inventive coaching style and he's the best coach. And I, I love as, as a proud Canadian, proud Raps fan, love hearing that. He's kind of like the Steph Curry of coaches in the fact that he changed the the game, the way it's coached. Like mm-hmm. the box and one now is not laughed at at all. It's like a a genuine coaching maneuver now. Whereas when he first did it, it was like a joke. We have Nick, who I think is the best coach in the NBA. We have Masai, who I think is the best president in the NBA. And we have Bobby Webster, who by all accounts is one of the best GMs in the NBA. And I think when it comes to your favorite sports team, great players are going to come and go. It's really hard to get one of the best players in the world, like a LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Giannis Antetokounmpo or Kevin Durant. Uh, but the one thing, you know, uh, that is almost sometimes more important than a great player is really, really, really smart leadership, because I think that is what puts you ahead. And that's sustainable. If you can have, you know, great leadership for th- that can last 30 years, a player might only last eight years in a prime. 
And right now, I think we have the best in the league. And I've never been able to say that before as a Raptors fan. I used to look at the Spurs and be like, why can't we just get like a Popovich and and, and R.C. Buford? How, like, it's like, why can't we just put the right leadership in place? That seems like the one thing that you can do. Like, you can't go out and just get a LeBron James, but maybe you can find the right minds. Um, and for the first time, you know, and it's been this way now for, for, for a few years since Masai got here, where I'm like, man, like we got like our team's the best because the management team is the best. And so... If you're a Raptors fan and you're down, I would say look forward to that because whatever this team looks like over the next half decade, as long as those guys are here, I feel good and excited to root for this team. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Erica. All right. uh, Should we move on to our next topic, gang? Mm -hmm. Our next topic is... This year, it's been a weird one, obviously, uh, pretty early in the year in March. Uh, everything changed um, from sports to education uh, to top releases in film, TV, music. Uh, 2020 has like forced industries to pivot uh, with varying success. You know, Max, you'd mentioned that uh, some, some things have worked out uh, well, like, you know, working from home, people seem to enjoy. Uh, but other things maybe aren't as, as enjoyable in this new shift, which is like movie releases. Going to the movies is now kind of like fraught with peril. Uh, online concerts. Uh, uh, they suck. <laughs> I, I mean, you. For, this is your writing. I was like, I was like, do I think online concerts? Like, I'm like, I don't think I've watched a lot well, of online I, concerts. Well, I kind of want to just generate some conversation here, just kind of go through the list of things uh, in various industries that have had to change and determine whether it's better or if it's worse. Uh, and it's a good like, question. so and, and and bubble basketball, I think, is a good a good a good place to start. Like, obviously, we'd prefer to be in the arena with the teams but as a viewing experience it was kind of fucking amazing and actually the product the basketball itself was better because they didn't have to travel between games they have to get on airplanes between uh every game so that that was actually might be an example of like oh this thing actually kind of worked not not necessarily mm-hmm. ideal obviously we all want to go back to normal but um yeah w- w- are and so i kind of had um you know climate climate change stuff it feels like people are flying less which is which is way better uh, on the environment than like the the straws you're choosing not to use when you you know drink your Starbucks or whatever. Um, I think some people are getting healthier because like physically healthier because they're not eating as much trash. Like Shane, you're looking really really good, and you because you're not like tempted to go to the bar. But then mental health is taking a hit. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm really all over all over the board here, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just it's sort of just a. A big umbrella topic here. If if anything kind of uh, strikes you as like, oh, this has actually like been good, or this is undeniably shitty. Well, it, it's hard. It's undeniably shitty. Uh, but for <laughs> for me, it's been undeniably good. But I'm just like an outlier here. Uh, so it's 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 hard to speak, and I always feel bad saying how this has been good for me because you know I wasn't really going out a lot anyway. I was handcuffed to my job in Toronto with the commute and everything. And my weekends were dedicated to working with uh, my wife and her blog. So nothing's really changed. I was working too much before and I'm working too much now, but now I'm working more and more focused. And my time management is so perfect in a way because I I never scheduled my life before. I never really had to because life kind of was scheduling itself for me. Uh, But now I actually have oh, this is my workout every day. This is my meal every day. This is my break time. This is my play time. This is time I put Lou to bed. Like it's just everything's so regimented and I understand time way more than I ever did before. So for that, it's awesome. 
Okay, when it comes to um, movies and television, you you guys are both pop culture experts, and you guys love going to the movies. Obviously, that's not a thing anymore. Like, has, is there any silver linings uh, to twenty twenty when it comes to uh, you know, movie or television? It's hard because kids. Once you start having children, it really robs you of that those movie experiences. So you kind of say, okay, maybe when they're eight i'll be able to go see a movie by myself <laughs> you know that's the way and when you have two it, it, you just double that so the, all those things i kind of i'm like if i catch a show like i may destroy you uh based off your recommendation like that was amazing but it's like my time to watch that i might have half an hour a night 40 minutes a night to watch it so it's like i, I don't even think of pop culture for like actually consuming it as a like a invested interest it's more like just a relaxation activity whereas before i was so invested in the movie what was coming out when you got your name pop TV culture aficionado that, <laughs> yeah well yeah that was before like i had just met alex five five episodes into the podcast oh really oh. yeah so yeah every everything's different now and uh, pop culture means something a lot different to me now than it did before. It's more of a, a meditative thing than a passion. Hey, Mike, when it comes to uh, bubble basketball or just your sports consuming, is there anything that you're like, oh, this is, we need to do more of this? Like, is there anything that you've like learned when it comes to, say, basketball? Because I know you care about that, care about that a lot, that should be carried over into the, into the next season? It's a, it's a good question. Because that's and what I mean, I'm kind of trying to get at with all these questions. Yeah. It's like, what are things that we can carry over into our lives? Once there's a vaccine and once things go back to normal, that uh, that are good, maybe. Well, okay, so like that's an interesting thought. Like, so so what can we take from this time if things presumably go back to normal? Now that's mm-hmm. that's different across all sorts of things. So like in our everyday lives, the immediate answer is well, maybe we don't need to be in an office five days a week. So mm-hmm. you've heard a lot of this. You know, maybe now it's like you go in two days a week. You do Tuesday, Thursday, one week. You do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, another week. Or maybe. People just work from home sort of indefinitely. Who knows what that looks like or does for, you know, the economy of all these buildings and downtowns and office areas that, you know, corporations are paying for. But I guess that would be the first thing. So it's like, okay, well, we've all spent a bunch of time now working from home to, and I think it's, it's, um, it's proven viable and that people are successful and that people can work from home. I do wonder how much companies are going to trust that once things go back to normal you know are they going to want to see butts and seats and you know i want to see you from nine to five because it's but that feels like an antiquated way of thinking we'll see how many companies actually adopt that but that's one thing they could adopt as far as bubble basketball yeah i mean the way that like the whole like economic infrastructure is built is based on a, a city being able to put 20,000 people in an arena and when LeBron James goes to your city that's not LA the one he plays in you sell out that arena he's basically like a little mini touring act you know and that's how they generate most of the revenue so I don't know how you get rid of the travel and it would seem that the reason the quality of the basketball is so good in the bubble like you said is because they literally they play a game and then they go back to a hotel room they can't mm-hmm. there's no there's no clubs there's no extracurriculars there's no living life you know and and sort of all the things outside of basketball that maybe make life fun but maybe make your basketball playing on a tuesday night in charlotte in the middle of the season not very qualitative again you know they they only had eight games uh before the actual playoffs and now we're in the playoffs so yeah we're seeing like a way better quality of basketball feels like every game's coming down to a buzzer beater but i don't think it's replicatable i've heard one somebody suggested maybe it was i don't know what podcast i was listening to but they said maybe they do it the way that baseball does series where it's like mm. you go into like if, if the if the Celtics come into Toronto 
they play all four of their games in one stay so that it's like you don't actually travel. Um, mm. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. You know, basically do it like baseball series, I guess. Erica, uh, what, do you have any thoughts about uh, things we can take from 2020 that you're like, oh, this we should do more of that? Yeah, I wrote a large list, actually. Oh. Um, one thing I think that this isn't like so much an industry, but more like a social thing is just social justice in general. I think like mm. the BLM movement that's really blown up since like the end of May, I think it really like caught fire. It was triggered by the George Floyd video, obviously, which was horrendous and devastating but i think it spread like wildfire because everyone was just at home on their phones like at least in Mm -hmm. ontario it was before even phase one of reopening and all that stuff and then the fact that nobody had to go into the office every day people had time to you know organize rallies in every city and even just like feeling the heaviness of something like that like viewing a video like that i think people could sort of process it a little bit better as opposed to like, you know, you watch it one night when you get home and then you have to go into the office the next day for eight hours. You can't like think about it all day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, no, I think to your point, um, and I'll piggyback on this idea, professional sports teams getting really actively involved in politics and corporations too. Like I think corporations really just saying Black Lives Matter or uh, I saw Patagonia, which is, which do you guys know anything about the history of Patagonia and their politics? Like they're very liberal left wing and someone found underneath the tag on the inside of a jacket, it just like stitched in the tag saying, vote those assholes out, <laughs> which, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, okay, great idea. What else do you got? Social justice, big one. Yeah. Also mental health. Max, you put this mm-hmm. in the group, but I've never seen like mental health being talked about so much from just like inside corporations, inside the workplace, on the news. Like there's a news story about mental health every single day with a new professional talking about like tips and tricks, how to be healthy, how to feel your best, how to maintain your sanity. I think that's great. I think it's great for the young people. Also, my little sister's going back to school. Big focus on mental health this year. And mm, what grade is she in? Grade 11. She starts tomorrow. Tomorrow's her first day. Mm-hmm. I'm very um, unhappy about it, but that's for a different time. And then um, another thing that I think has changed culturally, maybe not to a huge degree quite yet, but we're on route for this tra- um, transitioning a lot, is just people who define themselves by their work. And I think it's more prominent in young people or people starting their careers like me and my peers and stuff like that. But there's sort of this stigma where it's like, if you're not like, overflowing with work or so busy or so invested if your whole life doesn't revolve around your work you're kind of slacking and maybe that's just me maybe that's just my small like pool my sample pool but i just find in the past like six months it's completely changed the people who i work with who are the most work obsessed the most workaholics have really like taken a step back it's cool again kind of to the mental health thing it's it's like acceptable and like becoming more acceptable to take a day off, take a mental health day. Like, sorry, not Mm. in the office that day. I just, I'm not going to be on emails that day. And I think that's also like very important. It's almost, it was almost kind of taboo. I feel before to just like Mm. take a mental health day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Bell Media, um, you know, they had Bell Let's Talk, which was really focused on mental health yeah. and and dealing with, you know, any issues you have in your life yeah. and head on. But uh, that's good. Anything else? That's all I got. That's good. Mm-hmm. Good list. Also, well, another industry that's really changed, I think, is the podcast industry. Like, how many mm. people have you seen start a podcast in the past four to six months? Oh, my goodness. I know. 
so many people. It's like I, just my personal circle of friends on Instagram and stuff. Like I could name probably like five to 10 brand new podcasts from people. And it was already going to be booming this year anyway. Yeah. Like this is yeah. like the year of the podcast, but now it's like so saturated. It's mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Can't keep up with the pods these days. Max, what do you... What do you got on your list? Uh, well, I kind of sent it along. So like working from home, I, you know, I think in the, the music world, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I think, and I was wondering, I, I don't want to be stubborn about this uh, because I was open to, to seeing it work. But I think online concerts kind of suck. I don't think anybody really wants to sit in front of a computer screen and just like watch somebody in their living room play. <laughs> Weren't you just promoting uh, one for a long time, Max? Me? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> no, Kells what are you talking about? You didn't do one? What was that? Oh, you in the forest or whatever in the farm? Oh no, that was that was like a documentary concert experience. This is <laughs> that was different. That's oh, a that, that's a piece that of amazing. art, my friend. <laughs> okay. No, but I mean, sorry. What I talking, say, he's, you're talking about this this idea that like you could be the biggest person in the world. Let's say you're Billie Eilish, and to do a concert now, you're essentially just a YouTuber. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. But maybe and it forces artists to do maybe more experiences like like you did so well. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I, I, the point I'm getting to is that nothing can, ha, can replace the feeling of being mm -hmm. around a bunch of people yeah. watching a band together. Uh, I think that writing for our band, writing music remotely and sending it around to each other has been a really good learning experience for us. That's how we put Campfire Chords together. And of course, that was mostly songs from our catalog. So... The process of discovery is a little bit different than if we were working on a brand new song or a brand new album. But I think everybody getting comfortable with technology is something that's been really good for 2020. Even like these Zoom calls is like not that I prefer to be doing this in person, but the fact that everybody has like a microphone, has, you know, knows how to work the computer, Erica, like everybody knows how to like to cut Zoom uh, video calls and into like little vignettes for uh, socials. I mean, I don't know how to do that, but it seems like everybody's Other getting people. pretty good at it. Um, yeah. But, and when it comes to like recording music, I can do th some things at home, which I never got around to doing before. So I think it's forced people to, uh, to work, uh, force creatives to really dig into their, to their job a little bit more, which I think is, is, is probably a positive thing. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens with, uh, with education though that'll be that'll be interesting um to see how people uh how, how kids respond to not being in the classroom or having condensed class classes oh yeah i wonder like when we look back on 2020 our kids that were like in grade five or some formative years in their education they're like oh they kind of got fucked like that was like an important time mm -hmm. and them not being in school was hard or maybe maybe it won't make much of a difference but only time will tell mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like it's funny, like those, like when you try to like project ahead, you know, I just feel like these last few years have been so different and it's changing so quick. And I know like every generation says that, but it really feels like, you know, even in 2005, your experience as a teenager, I mean, obviously the internet changed so many things, but it, yeah, like I'm just like, I, I'm so confused about, or not confused, but fascinated by and a little bit scared about how much the job market's going to change. Yeah. You know, like there, there's some kid, like Erica's sister's in grade 11. What's it going to look like when she's trying to get a job? Mm -hmm. You know, like Erica's, mm -hmm. er Erica and her peers are talking about how different it is now. The people that are ahead of us, uh, Shaney, like in our industry, you know, it's like they're, I'm just like, what does this look like for our kids? Mm -hmm. You know, like Winona and, and Lou, you know, like it's like when they, when they're 20, I just feel like it's going to look so much different than when I like left high school, you know, I just 
like you said, like, will there even be a public education system? What will it look like? What, what will the politics of the day be? And how will that shape their experience, you know? And how is this all going to mm-hmm. look? And I know this is why we have to vote and sort of like try to affect change while we can to sort of, you know, uh, build the society that we want to live in. But I'm just so like, um, it just doesn't, I feel like I could have projected. Say I'd had a kid in like, I don't know, 2001. And now that kid was 19. I just feel like it would have been easier to project sort of what it looked like when they were 19. And now it just feels so unknowable in 20 mm-hmm. years from now. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe every parent says that. I have no idea. And like, I feel like 2020 is the year of like the death of the dream. Like any dreams that you maybe had or wanted to accomplish this year, it's just like, just throw it out the window. Just stop thinking about it. Let it go for a hot second. Revisit it in a year. And everyone's big kind L of, for 2020. Yeah. Everyone and took like, a big L. It's been going on now for long enough. Like you can deny it if you want, but everyone's felt an effect of this to an to an extent. And I hope one lasting thing will that will just be maybe we'll just all be a little more empathetic, you know? Going forward. Mm-hmm. And gentle with people. Grateful. You never mm-hmm. know. Like everything kind of fucking sucks. So just be patient and gentle, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing it already a little bit. People are being nicer. <laughs> I do miss people. I've said that before. Yeah. I liked being. I I genuinely liked being around people. Yeah, it's been a, been a tough adjustment. Ditto. All right, guys, want to move on to the next topic? Yep. Now that uh, Eric has delivered the inspiring speech, that, uh, that was good. <laughs> good, good yeah. work on that one. That, that, that was sort of a dead subject, and you the really death of it the up. dream. <laughs> was, was that the quote? That that could also be 2020, a twenty twenty. Yeah, year of the yeah. dead dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, our next topic is uh, there was a piece in the New York Times uh, about all the a bunch of universities and colleges have gone back. Uh, they're they're on campus now, and you know people in their twenties are doing what people in their twenties do. Uh, apparently, even during a pandemic, and they like to party. So uh, this piece is talking about uh, the conundrum that a lot of students on campus face, where uh, you know they might be a first year, they're trying to make friends in their dorm, whatever it is, and then there's some party on a Friday night, and all these kids are packed into some dorm room, no one's wearing masks, whatever. Are you are you supposed to report that? You know what I mean? Because obviously it's a major health concern. It is against the guidelines, whatever these schools are sort of trying to do. So like more so than these kids like partying and doing whatever they're doing during a pandemic, I guess the question is like, is snitching a good thing uh, when the public health potentially is at risk? Or uh, do you sort of keep it to yourself and be like, hey, you know what? They're they're making a personal choice. Wh- whatever that sort of process is. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, Maxi, what was your thought on this? Because you're the one that found this article. And it was a fascinating read, by the way. What were your thoughts, Maxi? Okay. So I have two, two thoughts uh, here. It, number one is that I think public shaming, there's too much of it that happens right now. I think sometimes it can be effective, but I think a lot of times people go out of their way to wave their finger at somebody, uh, especially, you know, catching someone in a sort of uh, absent-minded moment. And sometimes people are just, you know, flat out being dumb or malicious. And the co- the kind of the call-out culture that exists right now where everybody um, is looking to shame somebody that I'm not crazy about. I think there are better ways to, you know, to let somebody know that you disapprove of them or and what they're doing. Uh, but that said, I think people do need to be held responsible. And what kind of made me think about this article is that I was on the Gardener on the highway here in Toronto, and there was some asshole who was driving a really fancy sports car who was weaving in and out of traffic. I was probably going like, you know, 120. Like I was going over over the speed limit. This guy was probably going 170. 
And I was kind of, I kind of wanted to be like, I wish I could film him. Or if I was driving with somebody, I would like somebody to film him, submit it to the authorities. And then the authorities can just give that person a $6,000 ticket and to give them five demerit points or whatever it is. And they can be punished because if people are doing things that are, um, and this is not to publicly shame this person, but they should be punished. And if people are doing things that will harm others, and you could put a coronavirus party uh, in, in this category, but also reckless driving, uh, just because they don't get caught doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And mm-hmm. I think there should be, it would be, it'd be interesting to know like, what is the system? And not to make this like too big brother, because I know that's a whole other issue when it comes to like uh, the surveillance state that we continue to live in. Um, and that's a whole other conundrum, but I would like to be able to report asshole drivers and I want them to be ticketed a lot of money. 100%. Oh, I hate asshole drivers. When we were driving back from the cottage, there was a guy doing about, this sounds made up, but it was 200 he was doing for sure. Mm. It was like a bullet. Like this, he was either like, he must have been 17 or maybe just oh. like a, a, a rich guy who just thought he owned the world. But it was so deadly dangerous. I was certain we were going to see him flipped on the on the side of the road. But he was, he was out to kill either himself or someone. And it was just mm. like, I'm in a car with two kids, my wife. It's just all that stuff I hate. And I'm totally down for snitching on people. And that's actually where I get the most upset is when I'm in a car and I see somebody, um, what's it called when they're riding your ass? Tailgating? Yeah, tailgating, yeah. I hate tailgating more than anything. And mm. uh, because, you know, when you, if you slam your brakes, you're going to get drilled from behind. That's obvious. But these people don't even think of that or care. Well, the question is then is like, who gets to adjudicate this thing, right? Because obviously you don't want to go get to a, a state when it comes to like law enforcement where it's like, I don't know, China or something where it's like, if they catch you doing something, you get thrown in jail. It's like the people who are administering the punishment have to be trusted. But I wonder if there's a way to hold people accountable in ways that feel humane and feel fair, but obviously that's a subjective thing. But I think if like we all agree that the speed limit is up is a hundred, if you're going 110, 120, that's probably fine because that's the mm-hmm. flow of traffic. But if you're zooming around lane to lane, lane to lane, and you're going 180, then you should be punished. And if it's documented somehow and it gets yeah. sent over to things and your license plate there, then you just get a ticket in the mail and and mm-hmm. you do it again and you're arrested. I don't know. Yeah, like with with cars, it's obvious. It's like that can kill people. We've seen terrible accidents on the side of the road. COVID's tough because people don't really know the long-term effects, the ramifications of a, a party. Like I've never really, I don't know anyone who's like died from COVID or really seen it. I've heard some people are having lingering effects. Uh, like Alyssa Milano's had, like she's suffering from hair loss and still lingering from when she had it months ago. So I don't know how dangerous COVID is. So if I was a young person, I might not be too confident to snitch on my friends. But as an old man now who's being very cautious of it, I would definitely go back and tell younger Shane to snitch on them. <laughs> you know, because you never know. We don't know how bad this thing's going to be. Like it's like, I like the idea it's like vaping. of like old Shane, like going to that college party because you're going to snitch on them. But then somehow you get coaxed into going in and then all of a sudden you're doing keg stands. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I was going to say furthermore, partying really can ruin your e- education time. Like if, if there's some people who can do both where they can just party and get that essay done. And I really hate those people. But me, I need to be working constantly the entire time to get the essay done and any social 
life that I'm pursuing that involves alcohol is just going to throw me so far off getting any projects done. So I think just partying is dangerous for getting schoolwork done. <laughs> Shane, you didn't you even change, graduate man. high school. Like, what I are you talking partying, about? <laughs> why do you think I didn't? <laughs> like, what are you talking about right now? I'm saying, why do you think I didn't, Max? The guy who graduated high school is not going to be telling you that. <laughs> I'm a guy who got burned from it. I honestly okay. feel like I'm a good student inside. It's just I get distracted. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. We're all first-year students at college. Uh, uh, I'm going to go around the Community college, right? And they accept mature students? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like real life. Uh, Maxie, it's your first... Uh, for, you were you were a big... Like at Mac University, you were like a campus leader and stuff. You mm-hmm. were really part of the whole experience. So here's my question. Do you snitch uh, on people throwing parties this year? Hmm. I don't know if I do. You wouldn't. Uh, no, I don't think I would. You'd be would you throwing go to the, party? the party. Yeah, You'd be organizing it. <laughs> it's probably. <laughs> uh, Shaney boy, twenty-year-old Shane, does he snitch? No, twenty-year-old Shane is such a, a lemming. I would, I would be hammered and chasing <laughs> girls and everything. <laughs> Erica, you're a little bit closer to the to the experience mm-hmm. and the age. Would you would you would you snitch or would you uh, join the party? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think I could snitch. I don't know if I would even snitch now. I would just not partake. Guys, I want to know what are the things that other things not party related that you want to snitch on. That mm. do you think snitching should be more a part of our of our culture? Oh, pulling a phone out in it when you're in a movie theater and somebody keeps pulling it out for a prolonged period. I throw M and M's at people. Like I do stuff that's crazy. So okay, how would we document this? Because basically, like if someone does it one time, that's fine. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what if it's like an important thing? I'll give them better than that. But if they keep pulling it out, I want to be able to like go to like maybe there's a camera in the movie theater. That is just that it like knows where each seat is. And then every time the little light goes off on someone's phone and they check the phone, if that happens three or four times, we go, look, you're on camera. You pulled out your phone four times. You got to go. Yeah. Sorry, you're gone. And, and, and that's known when you go to the theater. It's like, just know we're watching you. And if you pull out your, pull out your phone, you're, you're going to be kicked out you're, if you do it more than twice. You're fine with that though. Like you're fine with people just like watching you. Like, all the time. Well, this is the thing. Am I? I might be in this case because it's really fucking annoying. To yeah, if for. you're in a movie theater, maybe I, it's just like, oh, we're being filmed and they're going to pause the film and a light's going to shine on you if you act up. And they're going to say, please leave. And that embarrassment, <laughs> I think no one will ever do it. <laughs> it is uh, interesting, though, because like I, I've been in movies where people have been talking a lot and then somebody mm. actually went out and told like a manager or whatever and then you get some poor 17 year old kid who's like excuse me sir uh, we're gonna have to ask you to leave the movie and the guy's like i'm not leaving and the movie's just rolling you know and the, and now now we've got this weird confrontation where the the kid doesn't know how to get this fucking guy who won't shut up out of the movie it's just like it's also unenforceable unless you actually like maybe maybe now you can pause a movie if the reel's mm-hmm. not going, Shane. You could actually bring the lights up, but again, it ruins the movie experience. It's like there's no real good answer yet. Mm-hmm. But so does talking. Our managers at Silver City back when I worked there, they were pretty badass. Like they were like police officers. They would pull you out of there. They would stop <laughs> the movie. They would talk to the projectionist, and within a second, all the theater lights would be on, and the people would be terribly embarrassed. Like any coolness that they had would just melt away once those lights turn on 
Mm. Here's a question. So, Max, you were talking about, uh, okay, so like the car thing feels very doable. Like we have red light cameras right now that basically yep. take a picture of your plate. You mm-hmm. get the $300 fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say that they there was some budget where they put cameras literally on every street and highway mm-hmm. uh, where they can just tell with radar guns like and technology and images of your license plate if you're going over. Would you vote for that? Because you, you said yourself, Max, you're going over the speed limit. So you're just going to get a bill in the mail for $80. Mm-hmm. I think there would probably be other um, legislation where where it, like it pertains to like the rate of like the speed of traffic moving. So it's like, but if you're being antisocial, what I don't like is antisocial behavior is basically what I'm getting at. If everybody collectively agrees that like the traffic, there's not many cars on the highway, we're all collectively going 120 together, even though the limit's 100, that's okay because there's a social contract unspoken in place that's that's making 120 feel okay. But if everyone's going 120 and one person's going 190 and weaving in and out of traffic, they've broken the social contract. That's what I think I'm getting at. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One could argue, though, if we had the cameras, nobody would go 120. Everyone would have to stick to the to the limit. And ultimately, maybe that's a good thing. There's a reason there are speed limits. Well, maybe it should be there's no speed limits anymore. But if you are going an antisocial rate, that is when you get ticketed. So if you go way too slow or you go way too fast. But how could you define antisocial? It'd be way too hard if there's no No, I think it's marker. like 45, 45 kilometers an hour more than the average speed. And you're weaving in and out of traffic. But the average speed will raise over time just because people will naturally go faster if they No, can. in that moment, in that moment. What is the average speed in the moment? And then what are you doing? Hmm. What if there's only two cars on the road? Um, that's a good question. I, don't, I haven't got that far yet. <laughs> All right. We'll work on this policy before we launch our political bids uh, and platforms. Um, all right. Uh, anything else before we get to Shane's surprise? Yeah, I know I sound like a real narc right now. Ash just texted me on the side saying you sound like a narc. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, the, and you know, most of the time I think, you know, freedom is, is the best thing. But just when it comes to that stuff, mm-hmm. no. All right. Well, I think it is time to get to Shane's surprise. Shane, surprise us. Okay. A teenager in Thailand was sitting on his home <laughs> toilet. <laughs> I already love this. (laughs) Okay, so then a python pops out and latches onto his penis. Oh, what what is a python? uh, A python. Wow, latches onto his penis. A setup to a joke. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, uh, He physically survived the ordeal, but will be scared of this. But he has a a phobia of toilets now. (laughs) So can't blame him. So I was wondering. Is there anything in your life that uh, you've had an injury and it's either enhanced your life or given you a phobia because of it? I got stuck in an elevator in Belleville, Ontario uh, for about half an hour when I was maybe 11 years old. It was at like a family reunion and I didn't take an elevator because I was scared uh, probably for the next like three years. Not that I was in a in a lot of elevators anyway to begin with, mm-hmm. but yeah, that scared me. The, the elevator thing really fucked me up. And were you scared of planes before that? Because I know you're a little sketchy on a, a plane. Is that because? Oh they yeah, the, I we took a family trip to Florida probably when I was like ten, and it was the, the bumpiest flight ever. And I just and that I think is the cause of my uh, anxiety when it comes to turbulence. So yeah, mm-hmm. that one's definitely had an effect on my life. Um, Erica, what do you got? I one time when I was maybe like. 10 my grandparents brought me to the butterfly conservatory and Mm. a butterfly landed 
on my chest right here and licked me with its proboscis. And you're not allowed to touch the butterflies there or else you get kicked out. And so I landed. I had to let it just do its thing. It was the scariest ordeal of my life. And I now hate butterflies. How did it lick you? I don't understand the mechanics. Look it up. Look up a butterfly proboscis. And it's this long black skinny thing that like twirls and then like untwirls like a little blow, Mm. like a party blower. It was traumatizing as a kid. I just, I couldn't touch it. I couldn't do anything. I screamed really loud. We ended up getting kicked out yeah, anyway. Yeah, butterflies but, are only yeah. cute in theory. <laughs> Why? Because you screamed? Yeah, because I had a meltdown after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't like butterflies now. Mikey, what about you? I don't think I have a phobia. I, I'm, I, I was glad you guys went first because I'm like, oh, this will give me time to think about it. And I can't really think of anything. Like, I guess as far as like a traumatizing experience and then something I never did again is... uh do you guys remember like the Graviton at like those like local yeah. fairs? Those are fucked up, in? those things. Uh, yeah, and so it's like kind of fun. You can like, it spins and you're stuck to the wall. You can go upside down and all this shit. Um, I walked off one of those and I've never felt more sick in my life and like literally like staggered off it. I was probably like nine or 10. I staggered off it and then just vomited in front of my whole family. And so like whenever I see those at like, like some, you know, shitty local fair, I, I do get a sick feeling uh, and I've never gone back on one, but- other than that, you know, it's it's not like I encounter those every day and I'm like, ah, it's like it's so rare that I would like, it, it doesn't imp- it doesn't impede my life is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Are you scared Shane, to vomit though? You know, some people have a phobia to a vomiting itself. No, 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 no. Hmm. What about you, Shaney? What do you got? What, 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 what phobia is anything? <clears throat> well, no, mine was more of like a superpower because I had, uh, I was playing European handball in uh, grade probably 14 and I was in gym class and I jumped up and I faked with the elephant skin ball. Like I was going to score like this, but then I turned around and threw the ball, like through my legs scored. Like it was the best goal, but I landed on my arm because I was just in the air for too long, trying to do too much, be too fancy. So then I go, yeah, my arms just broken, like dangling. So I'm like, Oh fuck, this is going to be brutal. And then, uh, like, I, I was like, am I going to miss the basketball season or, or whatever? And then I just got really good at doing things with my left hand. Mm-hmm. And then I almost... That's, that's be- why Steve Nash is so good with his left hand, because he broke his yeah. arm, and he had to learn how to do everything left-handed. Well, and people would challenge me, and teachers, too. They would say, oh, I bet you I can beat you one-on-one now. And then I would beat people just with my left hand playing one-on-one. And people would, like, watch. And there was this teacher, his name is Mr. Murphy. He was pretty athletic. And I just beat him with my left hand. It was a pretty good wow. feeling. So I felt pretty cool. Damn. Yeah. Hey, do, can we do our basketball tournaments going to come back? Like, you know how we did the three-on-three tournament back in January? I love Is- Max was getting nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about us playing in the Raptors Republic tournament. Uh, me, Max, Shane, and our, our good friend, John Popolis, who co-hosts <coughs> the pedestal with us. Mensa member. Ma- Mensa member. Max just like nostalgically messaged the group like, hey, fellas, when are we going to play again? I really want to play. I was like, have you been drinking? No, it was, just like, it was like 6 p.m. No, I hadn't been drinking at all. But I've been shooting around at the hoop mm-hmm. near my house. And... Yeah, I really want to play. Do you think we're allowed to with COVID stuff? I've seen people playing out in the parks, man. I haven't joined a game yet. I want an official tournament though. I, I like an audience, and I like like someone like a referee and stuff. I think I play better that way. Yeah, I want to. I want to play bad. I want to play those teams again too that we played. I feel Me like too. We could have for sure beat that team if we were how we are now. I feel like <laughs> right now, uh, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, and Serge Ibaka are doing a <laughs> podcast saying the exact same thing about the <laughs> I wouldn't be worried if Pascal was I on sh- their team. 
Shane, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when do you think, because uh, as people listen to this podcast know, you have been uh, very cautious for good reason mm-hmm. um, and, and more isolated than most people. When do you think you will play a game of basketball against uh, a, a, even, a, not even a friend, but a stranger again? I, I would think by... Um, next year spring will be safe that's that's my prediction i played tennis uh and i'm I'm okay with that and i've I've not gotten good at tennis but i'm a competent player now i never thought i'd even be halfway decent at tennis now i'm pretty good now i I find that's a great workout and very i get competitive in the same way i would basketball yeah do we just peter out on that or do we got something funny to say (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's going to be hard to top that. <laughs> 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 okay, <good. laughs>